It's Will Blacks with Visually Hype Podcast. Um, happy to let you guys know that I'm here with filmmaker Andrew Mitchell. Uh, so today we're going to talk a little bit about the higher learning movie that we shot and also just some other things that, um, that filmmakers talk about that Andrew wants to talk about. Uh, so to start off, um, Andrew, introduce yourself. Hey, how's it going, everybody? I'm Andrew Mitchell. I'm a filmmaker based in San Francisco. I've been making films since... God, since uh, really, I guess, uh, 2005 officially, um, just kind of off and on making short films, and I am currently wrapping a production on Binlow's Locker. It's a short uh, action thriller short film that's going to be hitting festivals uh, pretty soon. He won't even give me the twist in it. I, I don't no. know. I know a little bit, but I don't know enough, and I need to know, but yeah, but it sounds like it's going to be an excellent movie. Uh, thank you. So look out for Ben Lowe's. Um, well, basically, Andrew, um, I try to keep it kind of raw. I said kind of, because I don't you know, want to be too raw, but uh, what I wanted to ask you was, how was it working with me as a first-time director um, on those three days that we shot? I mean, it was long, three days. Uh seemed like we put a lot of work into it, and it, the footage looks great. So what's your take on um, how the shoot went for Higher Learning? That's a good question. I, I feel like it went uh, pretty good. I, uh, you know, like we got everything done pretty much for those, uh, you know, those three days or whatever. Um, and that was pretty sweet. I, I guess what, um, for me, hang on just one second, let me. Do this, all right. Gotta get. Andrew's putting a pillow behind his back, so he's oh, I'm, a little I'm more getting, comfortable. I'm getting uh, a, a little extra comfortable <laughs> for this one. Um, no, I think for the most part, it's it's pretty cool. It was like you have, um, you know, it's good for me to experiment with the, you know, like I just got that iPhone. Yeah. So I was experimenting, shooting with that with a Filmic Pro app, which is fantastic. Um, recommend it and. Um, you know, it's just getting the workflow down and just, uh, it was really nice. I like the kind of how casual it was, you know, on set, you know, and how just, you All know, the weed made it a lot more casual. It, <laughs> it really did. It's like, yo, bro, you want, you want to finish this, um, you want to finish this fucking, uh, you know, that this, uh, wood. Yeah. Wood, wood. wood. And I was like yes so that was really cool i really liked that um and it was just um it was fun to be able to just like chill you know and like kind of shoot the shit in between scenes i really liked that i also really liked that uh that i was able to kind of like have kind of like you know like uh it was back and forth between me and you with uh, the, the whole um coming up with ideas and on different angles or how to record uh, different shots or sound or whatever. And uh, that really helps, I think, the creative process because there are so many things or issues that come up and it's like all about finding these creative solutions. You know, if you can't get a certain shot the way you originally wanted it, how do you go about, you know? And so that was a lot of fun. And I just feel like that kind of like that it was you know kind of like more casual and you kind of had a very firm vision in your mind yeah. and what you wanted so that really helped because like I've worked with some uh, first you know starting out directors right. where they just shoot for coverage and they don't know exactly what they want and you can kind of tell and you end up feeling like at the end of the day you know like you shoot all day 
and you get to the end of the day and you feel like, you know, you didn't accomplish like as much. Right, right. Whereas like I felt like in those three, you know, we're shooting on those three days, like, you know, full days, you know, from like, I think it was like nine or whatever in the morning to like, like 11 or, or midnight. And uh, it was just being able to shoot like that. But it's like, okay, but we're covering so much ground. Whereas like I've worked with, the, you know, a couple directors where it's like you, you'll shoot uh, so long, like 12 hours. Okay. Like I remember one in particular and it was just like this one little scene and it just took fucking forever. Yeah. <laughs> and cause like he, he just, I, I think, I don't know in that production, like exactly what his issue was, but it was just like, you know, so I've been on those kind of sets. So it's just nice to have it kind of casual, you know, and, you know, I have, have all these people who, um, I feel like anytime someone is kind of like starting out, you know, and, um, but they really want to do their thing and they have this like vision or whatever, like you mm-hmm. did. I feel like it really helps the creative process because like for me personally, when I was, uh, you know, trying to get someone to shoot Benlow's locker, um, I had it where, you know, like I went through a lot of people, potential people. I emailed a lot of people, people emailed me and there's a lot of people who are, uh, have really great demo reels or whatever, but are very, um, I would say kind of like, since they're so kind of like too, not like too experienced, but they're experienced in such a way where they're kind of like, you know, like I want $600 a day and you know, all this stuff and they kind of like more about the the ego and they're not and the as money. flexible either yeah it's like okay we might not be able to shoot this scene today maybe we can shoot it tomorrow and they're kind of like no we got to shoot it today it's on the schedule for today or whatever. yeah yeah exactly so. and i just feel like you know the, the way i see it is like when you're starting out like making a short film and you know, like you did or or like with my own film that i been making it's like you know it's an expense it costs a lot of money and uh you know there, there are people who are willing to you know you got to find the people who are willing to uh see it as a passion project and willing to put in the extra work to be in the trenches with you yeah, yeah. and i felt like when i was going through those camera people um you know online you know and going through the reels a lot of them just wanted to do it for the money or or for their ego or whatever and you know that's not the type of people i like to work with so it's it's nice that it's not like this kind of like ego trip like i remember in particular there's a short story um my friend who's a producer her name's cheryl she had me she's like we need extras for a short film i'm producing um, the director needs extras the be movers. And the scene was this family's moving out of this house and it's about this little kid and all these big movers are around him and he's like this short kid and he's just like overwhelmed. I forget what the scene exactly was about, but, um, and I get there and the director was like, so like arrogant and like just so cocky and kind of full of himself. I mean, he had a great <laughs> DP. His DP, like, was the best of our class. Okay. He's, he's like, fucking awesome guy. Uh, and so he, I don't know, he just, it was kind of had, like, this arrogance about him. And when I got there, I was like, okay, I'm here to, you know, I'm your one of your extras to be the mover. And he was like, well, 
you're not tall enough, so I don't need you. And I was like, dude, I came all the way from San Francisco. (laughs) And this was Castro Valley. Oh, okay. And um, I had to take Bart. And then I had to have, like, one of Cheryl's, like, friends who was a co-producer pick me up. And then we had the drive. And I was like, dude, I don't want to go all the way back. You know, like, do you need help with something else? like, not really, man. And I was like, dude, you know, I don't know. It's just like... I find, um, and you were good about this too, is I, I find like when you're a director, I, I, one of the most important things I think uh, uh, that I has been reinforced with me like making my own film is you just have to trust the people you hire or even if you're not paying them, the people you bring on to your, your movie, like right. your, your sound person, your camera guy. If you ask the sound guy, how are the audio levels? Are they good? And they say they're good. You have to just trust them. You're like, okay. Yeah. Okay. And the same with the camera guy. How's the framing? Is anything, is the, you know, the light stand in the shot yeah. and the camera guy's like, no, okay. You got to trust them. Yeah. And I feel like having that kind of like, you know, it's like I'm trusting them to do their thing uh, really, really helps the whole process and it, the creative process. Because like I said, like with that production, that short film, who I was the extra on, like the guy was one of those guys where he'd be like, are you sure? And he'd be checking all this stuff and doing all these, you know, you know, like where he almost didn't trust the people. And it's just like, you waste so much mental energy doing that. I'm like, well, what if they're wrong? What if, what if the audio is clipping, you know? And it's just like, and that's a perfect um, segue to kind of go back with um, when you first brought up the idea of using an iPhone, I was like, it sounded cool as shit. Like, I was like, yeah. yeah, let's use an iPhone. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, I don't want my movie looking like an iPhone camera. You know, like, um, so I was wary of that. I, I truly was. But um, one thing I said, you know what? I hired him because he's the expert with the cameras. And I'm going to fall back and see what happens. And then on the set, I saw the footage, you know, with my own eyes. And now that I'm editing, I see the footage and I'm like, Good thing I trusted Andrew because it was just the shit looks incredible, you know. Yeah. And so what? What was your uh, thought process, or why did you even bring up, hey, let's use an iPhone also? Oh, that's a good question. There's a couple reasons that I wanted to use the iPhone, um, and uh, I think the most, I guess, short answer I have is, uh, you know, I have my T two I, or Ken 550D, um, and it's a pretty good camera. It's pretty good, like, basic, like, if you want to go out and start making movies and you don't want to bust the bang, that's a good starter camera. Um, and anyway, so I don't really have, like, a super wide lens with it is the thing. Like, okay. I have some wide, I have a 28 millimeter lens, which is kind of wide, but not super wide. And the thing is... I use prime lenses, which are like just awesome because yeah. they're better than zoom lenses. Zoom lenses, when you're zooming in, you, you lose and you lose the you use a lot of light quality and all that. Yeah, yeah, okay. you use, you you lose a lot of light when you're zooming in. Um, so I use prime lenses. So anyway, for the wide angle lenses, uh, they're not cheap. They're like three hundred and fifty up for like a nice prime wide lens. And so in my mind, I have this crappy ass uh, iPhone 4 that um, just for whatever reason, I was using it to do because I got my audio equipment stolen. So I was using it to record audio. Okay. 
And the reason that I originally wanted to upgrade my phone is so I can run that audio app and I can use it to record professional audio and all that jazz. And then I realized, dude, instead of renting, because I was originally going to rent lenses when we were talking. I was going to mm-hmm. rent a wide lens that was fast enough to do low light and all that jazz. And then I realized, well, fuck it. Why don't I just upgrade my iPhone to iPhone 6? You know, they've already made short films and... and I think a fucking feature film. I think Tangerine. Tangerine, yeah. Yeah, it was a feature film. Now it's shot in the 5S or whatever, which has the same camera as the normal 6, not the 6 Plus. But um, anyway, so I was like, dude, that's a wide angle lens. And, you know, all I have to do is upgrade and eligible for an upgrade. So it was just kind of like, for me, like a no brainer. And I just figured out, I did research on Tangerine and what apps they used and, you know, all that jazz. And I watched the tutorials on how they use the app. And then once I figured it out, I was like, dude, this looks pretty decent. This should work pretty well. That's cool. And it was just nice to be able to have, like, this small camera, you know. Because, like, again, like, wide-angle lenses are pretty expensive. And even GoPros, those are really cool. But those are, you know, that's, like, another $350 right there. So it's just kind of like the expense, you know. It's like, how can I consolidate this? and uh, streamline it and then it's just the iphone okay was really really like kind of a no-brainer and it was, it was really nice because it's small so you can you know do crane shots i remember we did a couple oh, crane yeah, shots and you can fit it in different places that you couldn't with a bigger camera so yeah. pretty nice okay well that's cool well um we talked a little bit about higher learning now i want to talk a little bit about just filmmaking in general as far as you um are concerned um so why is filmmaking, indie filmmaking, important to you? Like, are you, are, are your hopes to be making big budget superhero movies for Hollywood, or do you actually like independent filmmaking, low budgets? Uh, you really got a brain power. You know, you don't have a built in audience like a superhero movie would have. Um, you actually have to get the audience to come see your story. Um, do you think indie filmmaking is important, or do you want to go? towards the more bigger budget. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, I think that is a pretty good question. I would say that um, going to film school was pretty useful because I learned a lot about Hollywood and the way they operate. And and, um, a lot of my instructors have worked in Hollywood productions and uh, been producers on Hollywood productions. And hearing their kind of like horror stories, uh, if you will, uh, being in Hollywood. Um, and actually, my mentor said this, um, Jack Perez. He's uh, uh, directed a lot of great films. He does like black comedy. Okay. And he's just fantastic. He's into like the cheesy black comedy, like horror, like kind of genre. And he does it very well. Um, anyway, so he was saying... I remember in class and stuff that essentially um, the more money that is going into like a Hollywood film, uh, the less like hands on as a director that you have. Like for in other words, like in a lot of Hollywood productions, um, all the main the the director is doing is pretty much the dialogue scenes with the, the lead actors and shit like that. But it's really second unit, the second unit director that gets to, you know, direct all the, the fight scenes and explosions and oh. and all that shit. So it was actually, I, I believe, 
Sam Raimi who said um, Sam Raimi who said uh, when he was working with Jack Perez that you know it's like man you know because Jack Perez uh, my my uh, instructor he was a second unit director for a long time and he said that Sam Raimi was kind of envious because like man you get to blow shit up and record <laughs> it and and do stuff in slow motion and you know and pretty much like the bigger excuse me the bigger you know, the more money going into movie, the more um, the studios and it, the um, executive producers and shit have a creative say. So, you know, like um, with a, a lot of these directors and you, you read about this all, all the time online. It's like you have these directors who have this vision for this Hollywood film, but they're not able to do it the way they want or say what they want to say. Because these producers are putting so much money because it's a tentpole film. Right. You know, and it millions of dollars go into it. So, and, and so, the, basically, the higher, the more money they're going into, the more creative input the producers say. And, um, and so, in other words, if I'm making this, like, low-budget, small film, you know, for, you know, really indie, you know, and it's... Uh, you know, it's like crowdfunded, whatever the l- chances of like a producer or someone coming in and fucking with it and like, um, changing it up or whatever is less. And, um, I remember, um, when in Jack's class, he said that like when he was doing this is like pretty bigger budget film, uh, it's called mega shark versus, um, giant octopus. Okay. Um, <laughs> and it, channel yeah. <laughs> and, and he originally wanted it to be like on purpose, like I think cheesy and stuff and kind of like a throwback to B movies, you okay. know, and stuff like that. And he had all these really cool creative ideas and it was, you know, larger budget movie for, um, uh, for him at the time or something like that. I don't remember the exact story, but Anyway, so he he directed this movie, and and he he had all these cool ideas, and the studio or whatever, um, they pretty much when they got all the footage, um, edited around his you know script or whatever okay. and his uh, vision, and so they just basically redirected the fucking movie in post, and yeah. basically. And, and and they fucked up the contract so he didn't get any residuals so when the mo- mo- when movie made money later and people are like whoa you know it's like this crazy B movie and we're buying it he wasn't getting any money off of oh, that man. and so they screwed him over and so it's just, it's just like horror stories like that from like you know like big studios I just like I'm kind of like at the point like originally I wanted to you know when I before I went to film school, I was like, yeah, I want to go into Hollywood. I want to make, be like the next, you know, I don't know, like Christopher Nolan or whatever. And fucking make these like gritty thrillers and shit. But now I'm, uh, now that I've made, uh, Ben Lowe's locker and I shot your movie, I realized that you can get away with a lot with just basic, you know, like an iPhone yeah. and, um, and my DSLR, um, and, the DSLR was great because that gives the shallow depth of field. So I was able to get the shallow depth of field for the close-ups and not cheaply get these nice wide-angle shots. So um, that's pretty much why I want to be independent and just stick to 
doing it independent style and just stick to the crowdfunding and making it where, you know, if it does become a hit or whatever, it's because, you know, it's, it's just like a good story and it's independent and, and the hard work you put into it. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then on top of that, you know, if, if it does end up getting like becoming a hit or whatever, then, you know, that can attract, you know, pe- like an executive producer or whatever to throw money into making it into a feature or yeah. whatever. So I think, I think that's, that's pretty much why I'm into independent now. Cause, and I think, I don't know. I just feel like the whole Hollywood system now, um, since a lot of people are like into Netflix now and Netflix mm-hmm. has their own studio and Amazon has their own studio. A lot of people are not going to the cinemas as much cause it's so fucking expensive and they're yeah. just signing up for Netflix for 10 bucks a month and being like, Hey, I can watch quality shit that they make themselves. Why? So you much know? original content outside of yeah. the normal Hollywood system. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I, f- I feel like Hollywood's just kind of like phasing out and I think they know that and that's why they're churning out these like kind of like these 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 generic um like superhero movies or movies that just like like are like a checklist like like um i remember i was talking to my roommate about the new jurassic park i haven't seen the new jurassic park i still haven't seen it either but he was like you know it's a decent movie but like you could tell like when they're making that movie that they were going through the checklist okay does it have this type of scene yes does it have this type of scene yes and it's like I it, and and it's just I don't know it kind of stifles the whole creativity you know it's like there are a lot of people unfortunately who want to see those superhero movies that um, some of them are really cool but like a lot of them recently are just like don't interest me anymore like I didn't see the new Avengers film I just saw that yeah, yeah. and and I just feel like I don't know I just you know the whole. Um, you know, there's so much more to explore and you have these kind of like a lot of these superhero movies or whatever, the big Hollywood productions are, are just trying, they play too safe. Yeah. I, in other words, is what I'm trying to say. Um, With and, casting and everything, they play it too safe. And, and that's that's why I, I, I lost interest in like superhero movies, um, you know, for a while because it's like they play it too safe. Like, a good example that I use when I talk about this, so when the subject comes up invariably, when I'm talking to my <laughs> film friends, is like, I like The Winter Soldier, the second Captain America Captain movie. America, yeah. That was a cool, that, like, that was a cool I actually liked that one. I did not like the first one. Yeah, I didn't like I that. couldn't get through it. Like, I just didn't, it was boring. I don't know what it was, but the second one I did like. The second one, yeah, yeah the second one was a good movie. But the thing about the second one that I didn't, it didn't like, like, I... I like that it was a darker story, and they're they're uh, trying to do they're trying to say something in that film. They weren't just trying to like, ooh, we need a tentpole movie, and we're Marvel. Um, so I liked that, but what I didn't like was you have like these scenes that are supposed to be dark and gritty, like they're in the I think it was the opening scene where Black Widow, Scarlett Johansson's character, she is like sneaking into the I think it was like a boat, like this big ass boat, mm-hmm. and she's sneaking in there. And she whips out her two pistols and starts shooting up all these thugs or whatever. And you see them like, ah, you know, and fall down. But there's no blood. And it's like, I understand it's PG-13. <laughs> and I understand that. But I don't know. Maybe it's because when I grew up, PG-13 was a lot more bloody. And you could 
dropping f bomb and shit. And uh, is uh, whereas the PG thirteen now just seems just too safe. And so I don't know. It's just like it just feels not like they're playing it too safe when it's like she's shooting these people with a gun. And they're not wearing body armor, and yet there's no blood. And, like, come on. It's like, I understand, you know, kids are going to this movie, but... I don't know. I just It's just stuff like that where it's like, you know, like, ooh, we want to do something dark, but we're going to go halfway. Yeah. And it's and that's part of the reason why I like, um, like, uh, foreign thrillers and stuff and action movies um, a lot of times more than the Hollywood ones because they're, they'll fucking go there. And sometimes that pisses people off, but I'm like, well, at least they're doing something. Yeah, you know what I notice? Um, independent filmmaking seems like Hollywood is, over the years, been creeping into there into that uh, realm also. So you see independent films, but they have like ten million dollar budgets. Yeah, like, how independent is that? Like, who yeah. has ten million dollars laying around? You know. Yeah. So, um, speaking of that, you mentioned crowdfunding. How do you feel about um, yeah people like Spike Lee who has had success in Hollywood? Um, I even think I want to say Zach Braff. He did. Yeah, like, I know he did. He crowdfunded. Um, how do you feel about directors that have all these play, friends in high places and um, they have their own money that they can invest in a film? How do you feel about them coming into the independent film game and crowdfunding like? Does it hurt the the little guy? Does it hurt independent filmmakers like me and you who don't have producer friends that have millions of dollars laying around? Like, how do you feel about that? Um, I guess I um I can understand I can understand it like uh, because um when you when you even if you're like this um, pretty well known actor or whatever, it, it can be kind of hard to, to gather money for stuff, you know, like if you're not as well known, uh, because, um, to get investors, because like in LA, like you can have like a, like just a hundred meetings with people and none of them will yield a result. In other words, like none of them will like go anywhere, but you'll have these meetings with people and they'll just politely like, no. Um, and, um, and so I, I feel like for, for actors and stuff who want to go into directing and go that route, it makes sense in a way, you know, like, you know, because they have to kind of hustle a little bit more and uh, be willing to go through that rejection and, and try and find uh, someone who will say yes. And since Hollywood is so, you know, like everyone's trying to do that, um, so I can understand why they would go to crowdfunding because it's like doing that hustle and like going to all these different studios and different producers and like, hey, will you give me some money to make this movie? Um, I, I understand why they would go to crowdfunding, but at the same time, if it's someone like super, super like well-known, like Spike Lee or fucking Zach um, Braff or whatever... I feel it's kind of like, okay, come on. It's like, how <laughs> how small time are you? You know, right, it's like, right. you directed Garden State with fucking Natalie Portman and Spike Lee, you know. It's Inside like, Man made over $100 million, I think. Yeah. At least 70 you know. Yeah, so they've had a lot of success. Yeah, so I, I feel like it's like when you reach that, like, level, like when you're doing that Hollywood, like, thing for a while, like... I feel like it's a lot easier 
because to to you know network with these people in other words i feel like if you're like this uh you know like, hey it's me zach braff or whatever and i want to make this movie you know pe- more people are willing to like listen to you i feel like like if you're to go into meeting to like really scott studio or whatever and be like yo you know like will you produce my movie they're gonna be more willing i feel like to like listen to you since you're oh it's coming from him yeah whereas like if you're some like small time actor who's been in some hollywood movies but like not a lead role i feel like that would make sense Mm -hmm. um so i feel it is a bit disingenuous because it's like you know a lot of these uh famous Hollywood directors or, or, uh, you know, you use Spike Lee and Zach Braff, they have such a kind of like, uh, kind of like a kind of not track record, but they have like a long history, you know, in Hollywood. And so they have a lot more networking connections than people starting out. So I feel like, um, if they hustled, you know, kind of like everyone does in fucking LA, right, right. it wouldn't take them as long to find someone who's like, okay, I'll drop like 15 grand on your project. Yeah. Um, and cause it's like, you know, with crowdfunding, you know, I don't know. I just feel like it's, it's really there in a lot of respects to help the, the little guys, you know, the people who are trying to make something and they don't have the proper funds. And I, I just feel like when you have someone who, who owns, like, I don't know if Zach Braff owns a yacht, but someone who owns a yacht and like, Hey, you know, I really need yeah. this product made. It's just kind of like, dude, I work at a minimum wage job and I just yeah. want to like make a short film to put in a film festival. It's like, right, right. I don't know. I just feel like, you know, uh, it's, uh, one of those things it's kind of, I mean, it, it's, it's a complicated issue, but I just feel like, um, it is a bit disingenuous mm. and, uh, though I will say I liked what I read somewhere that James Franco did a Kickstarter or something, but he had it where he was going to raise the money so he could just produce it and he was going to hire some upcoming director. He's going to choose That's some upcoming cool. director like and be like, you know, I'm going to have, I, I think so. I don't, I don't. I would have to look that up, but I, I remember reading somewhere that he was going to do something like that. And I was like, okay, be pretty cool. That is, well, a if good... he isn't after, if he ever hears this or somebody hears this, they might do it now. Cause that's a good ass idea. Yeah. So, cause yeah. I, I think in that respect where it's like, Oh, you know, I'm this Hollywood director and I'm, I'm, you know, I have all these years of experience and, uh, all these connections but you're using it to like help some, you know, kind of give back. Right, right. You know, like I'm doing this crowdfunding thing because I'm fa- I'm using my fame, in other words, to raise this money. But I'm gonna give it back by, you know, you know, looking through these submissions. You know, mm-hmm. can have it up where people email submissions or demo reels, and he's like, I'm gonna choose this director yeah. who's gonna direct it or cinematographer or whoever. Yeah. Um, because. The thing with uh, making films, especially in L.A., because uh, I know a lot of people from L.A., is there are more, there's more talent than jobs available. So um, there's a plenty of unknown actors who are good, who are fantastic, but there's just not as many jobs. So I feel like that would be a good way to mm. kind of supplement that. It's like I'm going to be the use my celebrity status 
to raise all these money, raise all this money, but I'm, I'm not going to have a lister star in it. I'm going to have like an unknown star in it and this unknown director direct it. And I'm going to be kind of like the mentor, you know, creative consultant guy on it on set. I feel like that is... Yeah, that would be nice. That, that yeah, kind of like Project cool. Greenlight, yeah. except, you know, crowdfunding style. So I think something like that would be cool. That's going to be a new HBO show, watch. Um, but uh, as far as goals as a filmmaker, I know one of, my goal, plain and simple, I want to tell stories and watch people enjoy it and make some money from it. You know, like, uh, of course, I want to make a little bit of money. I want to be able to take care of myself. But uh, I just want to make stories and make, people laugh make people cry you know what are your goals as a filmmaker oh that's a good question um well very similar um my goals as of right now i would say is um to um expand my video business in a way where i am able to um i might have to move to la to do this i don't know but i pretty much want to be able to help people who need video done um and do like expand my video business in other words and and get more clients and i would really like to get to a place where i'm doing something video related okay you know like uh either freelancing or working at a job which are really hard to find at like a nine to five job where you're just video editing it's <laughs> really hard to come across that but it'd be nice to do something like that you know freelance and have it where it's consistent enough where I don't need to work some, uh, you know, boring minimum wage job like I am now. And I can mm -hmm. just, you know, supplement my income that way and then just shoot videos for companies, you know, commercials, whatever, music videos. I'm actually going to be shooting a music video soon for this one uh, musician guy. Nice. Um, and so that will be really cool. And so I, I would love to just do that and use the money from that to um, go towards like making my own you okay. know, short films. Uh, that's really the goal. Cause I'm, cause if I am do something close to, you know, video related work, you know, something I, I pretty much the bottom line is I just want to do a job that I'm really good at. And uh, it's like, I am passionate about, you know, coffee and, and, and shit, <laughs> but it's not as much as film. It just yeah. isn't. It's not coffee, enough. Coffee and film. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just not enough. So, uh, passion there. And so I just, and, and it's because, you know, I've been doing this so long that I know that I, I can deliver and I know that it can do a good job. And so I'd just rather do that and get paid for it than Paid for something I'm just not super passionate about. Right, right. Well, those long hours that come with film, you kind of have to be passionate. Yeah. Because it's some long hours and you might be shooting the same shit. You might be, it might be a struggle, but if you're passionate about it, it's nothing. You know, because yeah. uh, even on the set of Higher Learning, I could tell some of the actors were kind of like, is this shit over? Like, I'm ready to go home. Yeah. You <laughs> know, so... Um, I think you do have to be passionate to want to be in the um, film part because especially the money is not... You don't just walk into a room and somebody hands you money, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> that's yeah, what people... definitely some work, yeah. Yeah. Um, I got a question. Uh, this is something I run into and it, it, it irks my nerves, but I, I finally... I think I found a, um, a little way to relieve some of the stress or it's not really stressful, it's just irritating. Uh since all my friends and people, associates and stuff, they know that I want to be a filmmaker and, you know, I'm 
doing this and doing that, they always come to me with ideas. Oh, you should do this. You should do that. Oh, yeah. And it's just like, oh, like, no, like, you know, it's not going to work, <laughs> number one, or, uh, you know, you want to shoot this sci-fi thriller and you have $10, like, you don't just shoot movies for $10, you yeah. know, like, yeah. there's so much that goes into it. Um, but what I started, especially when I was shooting higher learning, oh my God, I had all my friends, oh man, you should, uh, I got this movie, I got that movie. So I said, you know what, write it all down and then I'll look at it. And my friends never wrote it down, so no. I never had to look at it. But um, do you feel that pressure sometimes from people around you, associates and everything? That, that is a good question. Um, again, um, I, for me, it was, uh, I don't so much get that as much as uh, I remember when I was just like starting out shooting uh, Ben Lowe's, um, my... Uh, I had like my roommate and I think my coworker at the time. And I'm like, why don't you just make the movie? Why don't you just shoot it? And I'm like, dude. <laughs> I, and it's like, cause I, I explained to them is like, you know, I originally had a Indiegogo is the story. You know, I originally had an Indiegogo and this uh, long story short, I had this Indiegogo for Binlow's. We're going to raise a couple grand or a few grand actually. Um, but the, my partner who I hired to help me mm-hmm. with the social media and emailing people and, and, you know, we're going to tag team it. He ended up not doing anything okay. and I emailed him like every couple days, you know, like, have you emailed these people? Have you emailed your friends? You know, cause we're, we're behind uh, schedule and we're not making as much. And he was like, Oh, I'm getting on. I'm getting on. I'm promise. I promise, bro, dude, I'm on it. I, you know what? <laughs> I, I'm going to email that person right now. And he didn't. And uh, and then we didn't meet our goal. And uh, we, we I think, raised 4 or 5% of our goal, okay. which is not a lot for a movie that I'm doing, which has a little bit of visual effects in it. And it's a thriller. You know, you need some money to make it. And so I would, as you know, explain this to my friends. And my roommate would be like, well, why don't you just make the movie? And I'm like, dude, you don't understand. <laughs> I have lenses I might have to rent. Right. I have, I have at, at this point, I didn't have a lot of lot in the way of lights. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I don't have a lot of lights right now. Um, you know, I, I just don't have enough to go shoot it. And I can't just shoot and direct at the same time. You know, I don't want to yeah. do that. And it was just so annoying to have these people like, well, why don't, why don't you just make the movie already? I'm like, I would, you know, and, um, but for me, um, when people do do that, when people do like what they do with you, where they're like, oh, you know, like, have you ever tried making a movie about like these rappers, but they're in space, bro, they're in space and they're smoking blunts, even though they're in space and it's crazy, man, um, or whatever it is, like what I found um, this is another tip I, I got from my instructor, Jack Prez, is um, I forget what director he got it from, but like he, he had a, um, this one director, famous director he worked with, where when people would give him ideas like that, which were, it's like, dude, like, come on. He would just be like really polite and be like, you know what? That's a great idea. I'm going to write that down. And then he'd write it down and he'd do it however the fuck he wanted anyway. Right, and right, so right. all these people and later, you know, like that person who came up with the idea, you know, like, oh, you should have everyone in the scene wear cowboy hats. It'd be <laughs> hilarious. 
And then, you know what? It's a great idea. And you'd write it down and then just shoot it fucking however you wanted. Um, and then that way the person didn't feel, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, if they felt some form of validation, right, you right. know, um, you know, which is, is good. What you said too. It's like, we'll write it down and I'll look at it. Yeah, That's not and bad I never here. get that piece of paper. Never. never. I always just write it down and we'll, we'll look at it and I never get it. So that that's definitely helped because it gets old. Like it's like, I, I I told a couple of my friends about shooting um like just shoot a documentary. You know that'll be something that we can work on together. It'll be a little easier, and I think now it's a crime thriller. They did they did transformed it from a documentary to some kind of crime thriller. And oh, I'm like he gives one of my friends gave me an idea. I was like. At a minimum, that might be a hundred thousand dollars, and uh, none of us have that, so I don't yeah. know. And he's like, "We can make it happen." Like, you know, go read some books about filmmaking, and then tell me we can make that happen. Yeah, yeah, you it's, know? it's one of the same. And the opposite is annoying too. Like, I remember, you know, when I was uh, starting with my short film, you know, because it uh, the whole thing with my film is it takes place in the near future, not super far in the future, like, you know, uh, like Star Wars or some shit, but it's, it takes place in the near future. And, um, you know, I wanted to have that be an aspect of the story. Um, and it comes into play later. So I wanted to have that. And I, I, I would have people like, well, why don't you just not make that movie and just make a movie that just won't cost a lot of money? <laughs> And it was like, well, it's like, and it was, is so irritating. Like I had one friend, he's like, why did you have to make this movie, man? It's taking you so long to finish it. And you should just like, I said, said before you started shooting it, I said to you, you should just make a movie that can do really cheap and just do it. But I feel like when you're, I was pretty realistic with what I could uh, pull off, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I obviously, you know, I have to, oh my bad. Um, obviously I have to be pretty realistic, um, but just be really honest as I like, could, I pull this off with this amount of money or whatever. But I, I feel like even still, like there are stories that just speak to you and I feel like it's, uh, you know, you just got to write it. Yeah. And, um, and if it, if it's a story that speaks to you and it's something that you, you know, like, you know, if we did it a certain way. You know, and we did, we shot it this way or whatever. We could do it for cheap. You know, we could do it for cheap. And I, I realized that with Ben Lowe's Locker, I was like, well, you know, I don't have the ten grand that I, I needed or whatever. But you know what? If if I use the equipment that this guy has and this guy has, and we shoot at these locations, right, that are different, um, that will save me a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And then what I can do is just be creative in ways instead of using fancy visual effects or some shit you know like i i actually watched a lot of sci-fi short films before making this film and they always focus on the visual effects as always like they never really focus on the story and it's always visual effects and i needed the visual effects in there but i didn't want it to be like the center focus focus of yeah and so I was like, well, how can I show that, you know, they have this future, these future, you know, future iPad and this future phone and future computer without like, you know, busting the bank on the visual effects. And I, 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 you know, I 
you know, got really creative and found ways around it, you know, like the way, for example, they do this in House of Cards, if you've watched House of Cards and and Sherlock, where uh, when someone gets a text, they don't show the close-up on the phone with a text message, they'll show it as like a... On the actual screen. Yeah, Yeah. like a little like overlay, a text overlay uh, or graphic or whatever. And it'll be like, sometimes they animate it, sometimes they don't. And I was like... Well, I could do something like that. That's that's inexpensive, you know, and I can do the visual effects, you know, for when he's on the computer and he's on his futuristic computer and he's typing. We don't need to spend a lot of money or whatever doing the visual effects for the screen. We can just do, you know, the basic text, you know, what is he typing into the Google, you know, and uh, when he gets a text message and I designed a prop that is this um I actually have it right here it's supposed to be this futuristic uh like phone or whatever it looks really cool guys i know you can't see it yeah but it looks cool <laughs> thank you and so you know i i it's just one of these things i could blue screen the screen here because it's not actually a real phone and do all these cool effects and shit but then you know that would cost money yeah. but then i i figured it with this i have this little led light strip we use for your for the uh-huh. movie and that LED light strip, you can cut it. So you can make it however long or short you want. And so I made it really short and um, fed, framed it in such a way and put the cable out of the frame. And I turn on the light. So it looks like light's coming from it. And I, oh, I okay. shot it in such a way where he's looking at it and the camera's here. And it looks like, oh shit, you know, like it's a visual effect, you know, yeah. it's like this super slim phone and how are the, how it's, how is it generating this light? And then w- when you see the text overlay of the text that he's reading or whatever, it makes sense. And so that's, you know, I feel like there are creative ways to go around kind of limitations, um, but you have to be realistic. And yeah. I, I feel like that is kind of the thing where I have people telling me, is like, oh, you should just do movies that cost no money. And uh, <laughs> I have my roommate tell me that all the time. Do movies that cost no money. I'm like, but dude, like, no matter how small of a short film you're going to do, it's going to cost some amount of money. It's going to cost something. Yeah, and definitely. it's like, for right now, this is the story that speaks to me, and I, I want to do it before I move on to other stuff that may be cheaper. Right. Right? So definitely. I feel it's it's just like being, being honest with the, you know, like, the story that is speaking to you and just being creative. Yeah. A... Well, you know, the, that little conversation brought up something interesting to me. Um, as a writer, because you write too, um, do you feel that you you write within the limitations that you know you have? And if you do, budget-wise, um, but if you do, do you feel like that's going to hurt you later? Like if you do get a big budget? Like you're so used to writing something that has a low budget that you might not be able to creative creatively be able to write something that's million dollar budget i i think uh for for as far as the writing um and uh and everything it's i don't really think about the the budget okay when i'm writing i just focus on the story and um you know, if it turns out to be like a, a film that I write and it turns out to be a film that would be real expensive to make, it's like something I can have for later, you okay. know, you know what I mean? Like put on the back burner and I have this, I have this film that, you know, 
and, and it's actually true because I, I am writing a feature right now, which is in the same world or whatever as Ben Lowe's Locker, that if you were to make it into a future film, it would cost a considerable amount of money and there would be a lot more visual effects and all this shit. But it's a still, it's like, I want to write it. I want to get that story out there. And if I'm able to make it with a big budget or make it at all, that would be great. But... Um, I just I, I just think of it that way. It's like when I'm writing, I'm just and just focusing on the story. Uh, I mean, I have it in the back of my mind, you know. Sometimes it's like if it's like a short film or whatever, you know, like oh, you know, I could do this, you know, for this amount of amount of money. But it's never like a deciding factor because the way I see it, it's like you know, if you just write a really good story and it resonates with you. And it's kind of easier to get away with it when it's a short film. Okay. Because short films, like, it's easier to do those cheaply, obviously, because mm-hmm. they're shorter. Uh, but they're also a lot harder in some respects, writing-wise, because you, a lot of people, I I fell into almost the mistake. I almost did a film. Instead of Ben Lowe's Locker, I had his other script that was in the same world, same type of thing, but it was different, and it was like a feature crammed into the short film. So writing short films has its own kind of art form to it, because you can't just throw in three acts and develop, take your time developing characters like you can in a feature. So you don't have that luxury. So you have a short amount of time to say a lot so that's where that visual storytelling and all that shit comes into play um so i feel like it's just like writing the story and that just is like and then doing your homework on it you know whatever it's about and just you it's just you you just have to be really passionate about it it's like you don't want to you know obviously write stories that is like oh i just want to make this because it's safe or whatever so you want to write something that speaks to you um and and that's where I think that creativity comes into. It's like, you know, it's like if you write uh, like a feature and it turns out, oh man, this would be expensive to make, then it's, you know, you have to be creative. Okay, well, how can we go around these right. hurdles? Um, you know, and there's crowdfunding, there's all these things. That's the beauty of filmmaking. Yeah. You could make whatever you want and put it on screen. Yeah, so it's just, it's just so I don't really think about it at all when I'm screening. I don't think about the budget and stuff. I just think about, it's like, this is a good story. And if I, if I don't it don't end up making it, you know, like at least I have it for later. Yeah. And if I do become, I don't know, fucking famous and come into a lot of money, then the, I have this now, this feature or this short film that would otherwise be really expensive to make and I can just do it. Okay. So. So let me ask you this uh, before we wrap up. I, do you feel like you could direct anything? Um, if... if uh, Somebody came to you and said, look, I got this money, this amount of money, and it's exactly what you would need to direct um, a remake of Do the Right Thing. Oh, Do the Right Thing? The Spike Lee movie, Do the Right Thing, or um, Selma. You know, one of those. Like, do you, would you would you do it? Oh, or yeah. would you turn a movie down because you don't... Do you feel like maybe there are some kind of movies that you might not be the right director for? Um, I think it really just depends on uh, the story and um, that they're trying to um, do, you know, and how, if it's kind of like my style, uh, I guess, 
because um, I, I feel like each director has their own style, has their own thing um, going on. Like, uh, I keep on using my instructor as an example because he's just a great <laughs> example to go off of because um, I learned a lot from him. But uh, Jack Briz, for example, he's really, really good at doing the, like, uh, mixing, doing the whole dark comedy thing. Okay. That's, like, his thing. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I feel like it's, like, I can adapt and I can, uh, you know, I can do comedies. I can do more serious stuff. Uh, I don't always do thrillers. Um, I really do like doing comedy a lot of the times. That's what I did before I started doing thrillers and, and, and shit like that. But I would say it just really depends on the, the like type of story they're trying to do. And if it's something like in the story that I can connect to, like I've been there, um, then that, that would be pretty sweet. You know, it's like, yeah. then I can get into that kind of mindset. Um, but if it's like a story that is all right and I can kind of connect to it, but I'm not super passionate about it, I probably would turn it down because I don't want to spend, uh, if it's a short film or a feature, I don't want to spend so much time on a project that, I'm not fully into and, right, and, right. and I thought I have to fight for it. You know, it's like if I want to fight, yeah, cause it is, it's like, it's like an endurance test Yes. and it's like a marathon and it's like, why put myself through it? And it, and it, it's super stressful. Like there are times making Ben Lowe's locker, um, where I was like, I have no idea how the fuck I'm going to do this. Yeah. I honestly have no idea how the fuck I'm going to do this. I have no idea how it's going to get finished. I had like, at, like this one actor, in the middle of production, be like, ah, you know, or in the beginning of production, just be like, ah, I'm not interested in the movie anymore. I don't want to do this. And, Man. and I was, and I had a DP do that like shortly before that too. Mm. And my producer, when he started production, she was like, well, this is taking too long to do. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to bounce. And I was just like, all right. So I had like all this shit happen. Right. And yeah, it's like, I, it's going to happen. It just has to. And so making, doing that, um, I mean, it is my own film, but like even on your film, it's like the same thing. It's like, I have to, you know, like I want to, passionate about the, the project and I, I want to, it's like a marathon and, and there's all these problems that come up yeah. and it's like, how are we going to do this scene now? That and, happened a few times. Yeah. It's like, how the fuck are yeah. we going to do it? <laughs> Shit, you know? Um, and, and it's just, you know why would I put myself in that kind of endurance test, that kind of pressure cook cooker environment, unless it was something that I really like a story that really resonated with me. You know what I mean? Like, right. Right. If it, if it was like, you know, transformers six and they're like, Andrew, do you want to direct this? And, and Michael Bay was a producer. I would just be like, no dude, <laughs> I just, no, <laughs> Or, or you just blow shit up all day. Yeah, it just it's it's um, you know, it's just not my thing. What if they said Megan Fox is coming back and she's your new girlfriend in real oh, life? Oh man! Then you might think about it a little bit. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, yeah, no, it's just all about like finding a story that resonates with you. I think is the the key thing, and just uh, as a director, Definitely makes it easier. Yeah, because it's you have to find some sort of. Thing as a director 
since you're steering the entire boat of the production, you have to find something in it that you connect with. So and that yeah. that will drive you to finish it. Cool. Well, um, Visually High Podcast, Will Blacks with Andrew James Mitchell, filmmaker, cameraman, lighting designer, sound design, all that good stuff. So, um, Andrew, you want to say anything before we sign off? Um, just thank you so much for uh, you know doing this podcast. It was a lot of fun. Cool. Look out for Ben Lowe's Locker. It's coming soon. Um, yes. A bunch of other stuff coming soon. Look out for Higher Learning Movie. All right. Thank you. Signing off.